What is up, everyone? Welcome in to Patrick Jones Baseball. Um, last couple weeks, had to take a few uh, few episodes off, was traveling a bunch, was in Nebraska visiting some family, and then just got back from the uh, ABCA Coaches Convention in Nashville, which was awesome. Uh, met some great people, reconnected with uh, some other coaches I haven't seen in a while, and learned a lot of a, a lot of great new information. So it was a it was a ton of fun. Um, actually, uh, booked some more uh, podcast um, episodes with some different guests while I was down there, which I'm sure all of you are, are going to be pumped to hear about um, in the next coming weeks of who that who that's going to be. So on this episode, uh, episode number 148, we have T.J. Wharton. TJ is currently the recruiting and performance coordinator at Maryville College. Um, he just recently, this past year, received his master's of, co- of coaching degree from Ohio University. And before that, he's been coaching at several different places. Right after he graduated from college, he became get, got into the coaching industry right away, became the head coach of Virginia Beach Coll- Collegiate League. He has served as a catching instructor at IMG Academy and was a performance science assistant with the New York Yankees Yankees before that. So this is going to be a pretty cool episode just because TJ has been so many different places. And now at Maryville College, he's not just the hitting coach, not just the recruiting coordinator, um, but he also is a strength coach as well. So he, he's working nonstop uh, all day long, always doing something. And he kind of talks about how he goes about doing that, how he programs and individualizes the program, and how he makes sure not to give the athletes too much information so it's not information overload. Um, want to remind everyone, PJB25 is a, two, is a coupon code you need to type in if you would like to receive $25 off a Blast Motion Bat Sensor. So if you're interested in getting a blast motion bat sensor, um, type in code PJB25 at checkout, blastmotion.com, and you will get $25 off. Here is TJ Wharton. All right, we are now live with TJ Wharton, who is the recruiting and performance coordinator at Maryville college uh tj thanks for coming on today hey no problem pat um so i know you were just at pitchapalooza uh how did that uh whole experience go i've never been before it it was really interesting um you know uh it was it was last second because uh we are already paid and my head coach couldn't go so um i just said he let me go and it was a Really cool experience to hear from all those different pitching minds. So uh, it definitely gave me a different viewpoint of uh, from what I usually study. <laughs> so yeah, what 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 would you say your um, your forte is? Pitching or hitting or both? Hitting definitely. It's just um, uh, my background is really all over the place. <laughs> just to give everyone a heads up I've been in a lot of different situations but um I definitely right now I'm trying to focus on hitting and um, I'm also the uh, strength coach for our team as well so so uh, yeah give give everyone a little bit of background kind of on I know you're you know recruiting performance coordinator now at Maryville College like I was saying earlier but how did you get to that point so um I graduated from Catawba College. Um, I finished finished playing there in 2015. We lost in the national championship game to Tampa. Mm. Um, the 
the year after that, I played a year of uh, independent baseball. I bounced from the Frontier League to the Picos League to the Can-Am League, so you can imagine all that traveling. Um, but after that, I spent a year coaching at Catawba. Then uh, from Catawba, I went to Eckerd, and from Eckerd, I went to St. Petersburg College. And uh, those two years in Florida, uh, I also worked for the New York Yankees. Um, I started out as just a bullpen catcher and uh, worked my way into a performance science position. And uh, this past year, um, it, it was a huge, huge uh, deal to be a part of that because I was involved in that whole transition of use of technology with the Yankees. I got to work with some awesome names. So I learned a lot about pitching from uh, Desi. Um, he was the pitching coach at Iowa. And uh, I got to catch some uh, pitch design pens, and that's where my knowledge for pitching comes. So it definitely was awesome to gather some more information on top of that for at Pitch Palooza. Why did you <clears> – <throat> so it sounded like you had a pretty good setup with the Yankees. Like, why did you leave that? It was uh, it, the way that they set it up because they set up this program uh, two years ago. And uh, as you know, a couple of years ago, technology wasn't so prevalent in baseball. So my role was geared more towards uh, the internship kind of. So uh, the pay was part time and uh, not very good. So. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah, no, I know it's uh, it's definitely tough, and I know you've been kind of seems like you've been grinding for um, a good while on the college trail. Yeah, well, um, it's just uh, you can I, a lot of my information uh, is on my. I just started a blog, so to we talk more about baseball, and if you just want to check that out, um, but. I definitely do see – I love the college ranks just because how close you can get to the guys. I mean, you know from your time at Xavier probably that how close you guys – everyone gets. So so you oh, so you like, you like the college game versus the pro game or high school? Um, you know, for, for right now, I, I just love the – especially where I'm at right now, I can't say enough things about Maryland College. Uh, I definitely love the brotherhood that you get on the, on the team and the, you really get to connect with the guys day in and day out. So I would say that definitely on that side, I, I do love it. Yeah. So what, what is your exact like role with at Maryville right now? I know like what does like a performance coordinator entail? So, uh, with all the, my knowledge on all the different technology that's out there with my time with the Yankees, um, we're trying to implement that. We have that blast motion. We have some uh, diamond kinetics balls. And um, I actually just bought a, um, a train with push for velocity-based training. So, uh, you know, if Coach Helton has – Coach Helton, the head coach at Maryville, he's our pitching coach as well. Uh, if he has any questions about the pitching side, I'm helping there. But I'm also the hitting coach. And then I'm also the strength coach. And – um, we thought it was best put for performance coordinator because I'm kind of overseeing anything that has to do with, you know, the physical side of the game. So what have you seen so far from the, the hitting side being at the, being a hitting coach now at, at a college? Um, well, this is, this is so now I've been a part of every level of baseball now, except major league baseball and 
NAI. So this is my first taste of D3. And um, I would have to say that, uh, you know, the biggest at the Division three level, the biggest gains can come from the weight room uh, because we have a lot of undersized guys. And uh, just in the first semester, I've seen a lot of growth and weight gain. And I, even though only 16 days of uh, practice that we get, I saw some jumps already. So I know you said you have a background in technology and, and doing some different things with that. Like, What type of pieces of technology do you have uh, experience with? Um, so we, with my time with the Yankees, uh, I, I worked with, uh, the diamond kinetic sensors. Um, we had a uh, 4d motion, um, at the time. And, um, so I also worked with the weight room as well. And there's a number of things that we did in the weight room. So it's, it's, it's a kind of a hodgepodge of stuff. So. Yeah, I mean that's um, it is a pretty unique time right now in the game because because everything is changing so much. Um, what have, what are your like, do you give your hitters goals for the like uh, upcoming season or even like just during the fall or were you, were you just strictly evaluating? Uh, it, it, the majority of it was evaluating because I didn't know any of these guys and within sixteen days there wasn't time to make change. I did give them the one goal of getting the ball in the air. And not many of them had heard that in their lifetime because the most of the majority of them were undersized. They were kind of shocked to hear that, but you, you just have to lay it out to them that, you know, even if you are small, we still want you to hit doubles. It's not like we want you to hit singles all the time and you got to hit the gap. So the biggest emphasis for us was to get the ball in the air and uh, at the time, we had a couple of diamond kinetic sensors. So the one thing that I had them look at was purely attack angle as a team because we had a, a significant amount of guys that had negative attack angles, and we just wanted to get them on plane with the ball and trying to drive the gaps more than swinging down the ball. Where do you think that they've uh, bought in pretty quickly? Yeah, it, they, they, did, they did a great job. Um they really, the, they really ate up just being able to see all the data that I was compiling and uh, just having a conversation with them every day. It, it was huge for me being able to be in the weight room with them because it's not like the conversation ended uh, at the field. They would come in the weight room and we would be able to continue a conversation. So that added time with all these guys, it, it really helped the development of their swing, and I think it still is going to help them during the season as well. So you must be spending some serious uh, amount of time, especially if you're you're their strength coach and hitting coach. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's. I do. I I'm the only coach that gets to see them every day, pretty much, and it's I, I have uh, developed some great relationships with the guys. So I got a question. Since you are a strength coach, um, I mean, I know enough about the body to be dangerous, but probably not as much as you do. So what do you think about all these different movement screens and everything? There, uh, it's definitely a good, good piece of the puzzle to use. Uh, I've definitely seen uh, people using them in a good manner. Um, but it's definitely not the end-all, be-all um, because it, these guys, uh, it's, it's a great thing at the professional level because um, these, it's their job. They have to 
work on these deficiencies. And but you know, if we have a guy uh, who fails a movement screen, uh, but still only weighs 130 pounds and can only bench 135 pounds, um, I mean, if, he, if he's not going to be able to get that overall strength up before he fixes a movement pattern, it, it's not really going to matter. Yeah, no, I and I definitely can see that as well from from my end. I just thought it was interesting because I was listening to someone I forget where where I was at, um, and they were talking about how like they don't really do movement screens; they just kind of honestly watch on video and see that's can that can kind of tell them um, how they're moving and whatnot because they're moving at a fast pace, and you know these movement screens are obviously done not at a fast pace, so it's like it's tough to maybe correlate them in a sense. Yeah, and the two things that I'll add on top of that is movement screens can be very uh, biased by the day uh, based on previous activity. I mean, you know, you wake up one day and you're stiff, and the next day you're not. So it really depends on the day for the guys. And also the way that I kind of incorporate movement screenings on a daily basis with them is I've had them do PVC overhead uh Overhead squats and single leg squats pretty much in time to get in the weight room. So they're always working on some type of movement. Oh, you mean like as a daily like uh, ritual? Uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, just that's part of their warm up. So just get the body movement and uh, it's really helped them understand uh, but having to control their motions. Um, I posted online that we had a guy who um, – he had, there was a left-handed hitter for us, and he had really big uh, leg kick, and you could tell he was pretty erratic with it. Uh, and I was going to tell him to change it here within the next few days, but actually the same day we got in the weight room, and I honed in on him doing a single leg squat, and he was falling all over the place. So <laughs> you put the two together, and you're, you're like, oh, you got to stop this right now because if you can't if you can't perform a single leg squat, you have no business. Uh, trying to balance on one leg and then hit. Right, so. yeah. And I think that's probably, you know, you have an advantage because uh, you get to see them in the weight rooms performing those movements. Correct, yeah. It's it's definitely been a help. And it's, I, I would say, uh, the more that, um, because this is the first time I've been able, this is like my group, I get to work with these guys every single day uh, when it comes to hitting, is that I'm more seeing that, if I can change a stance, there's going to be some big advantages in the, in that realm because some guys are just putting themselves in poor positions to start. And if you're starting off in a poor position, you sometimes you don't even have a chance. Uh, can you give an example of like, what, what do you mean by that? Uh, just like, uh, I know exactly what, you mean, what like, I, I know like people listening, maybe they don't know. Yeah, for sure. Just like I said, is that, um, if, if you can't, if you can't balance on one leg, then it's probably not a good idea to be hitting with a leg kick because you got to be able to stabilize on that back leg. And then also um, another example would be if uh, you if if you don't have too much rhythm, if um, if you don't when you're in the weight room, you're not performing these tasks really easily, and you have a lot of movements in the swing. I think most times it. I always go back to Evan Gaddis for some reason. <laughs> I just loved watching him hit. It was, I kind of hit the same way as he did. But 
Um, if, if you're not a smooth guy, then, then just strip it down to the bare nonsense and just get after it. So, you know, get a little bit wider and, uh, be more direct to the baseball. What do you think about, um, explosive movements in the weight room? You think that's a necessity? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a absolute necessity. Um, I've, I've been, uh, Eric Cressy, I've always listened to a lot of his stuff and he's kind of the go-to guy for baseball when it comes to the weight room. And one thing I didn't realize that I heard him say, um, I also went to Slugfest and in his, in his presentation, um, for everyone that doesn't know that it, it takes about a month to detrain what you've, uh, accumulated in the weight room, uh, of strength wise, uh, when it comes to just pure strength, but it only takes one week to detrain when it comes to power and that, that it, when I talk about power movements, I'm talking about basically med ball and anything where you're slamming something. So, um, and that, and that's crucial in baseball, as you know, you got to be able to rotate well. Would that so, also include like velocity based training as well? Yes. Yes. And that's, that's one of the reasons that I recently purchased the push band for our guys. I'm um, going to be testing it out here at first, but hopefully we're going to be able to get more for our program and use it that way. Cause I think I've seen a lot of, uh, benefits from that. Just people posting about it. How much was that? Uh, push band, uh, I got it on black Friday, uh, for 25% off and it was two fifty. Okay. That's not, that's not terrible. No, definitely. There's, that's the, um, the majority of them are, um, for basic use, um, are around the 300 to $400 range. And, but they're not as quote unquote reliable, but the biggest thing when it comes to reliability, it, it's just that it becomes an issue when you try to cross, uh, cross, um, different companies. And you're seeing that in the pitching realm when it comes, you're trying to compare Rapsodo data with TrackMan data and they don't really line up to, with each other. And that's because it's two different softwares and they're not using the same stuff. So. Well, right. Wouldn't you also say too? I mean, I mean, you gotta just think about it like this: like Rapsoda is what three grand, and Trackman's how much money? Like one's got to be more a bit more accurate than the other. Right. Right. Um. Not well, not trying to be harsh on Rapsoda. I'm just um. That's just my opinion anyway. So when you when you guys are actually like going over different um getting back into hitting here, when you guys are doing different stuff in the cages, are you do you ever talk to them about like? some stuff that, you know, can't be necessarily quantified by any type of technology, like just switching up a different bat grip, for example, or things like that. A hundred percent. Um, biggest thing that I tried to talk to them about because the, within the first week, I kind of realized that, uh, most of them, they hadn't been taught much before they got to the school. Um, so the first thing I really honed in was I really wanted to see what their approach was and what they were thinking in the box. And, and I, the first time I actually took a whole individual session out of it and just sat there and asked some questions. I didn't even tell them anything. And I was just asking, you know, there were simple questions I would ask them just as far as, you know, if you could have one, you know, think about your entire baseball career it, think about the one pitcher and tell me that one pitcher and that one pitch that you want to hit a home run. And uh, a lot of times they, they had a tough time answering. 
and I, I that didn't make much sense to me. And so I knew that I really throughout the fall, I, I just anytime I could after in a bat, I just be like, okay, what's going through your head there? So I, I found that a lot of yeah, a lot of players don't have have much going on um, or really are thinking of anything, and you know, it's I kind of go both ways because I'm like it's important, but like maybe it's not as important as we're making it out to be. If they're up there trying to think about certain stuff and they're an overthinker, then it may be more harm than good. Oh, definitely. That's, it's just one of those things. If it's going well, you know, just let it be. But then if you start seeing slide off a little bit and be like, it's kind of pick your poison of when you want to talk to them. You know, there's definitely some guys that, um, that have the talent. I know for myself, if I, I, that's my time in the Picos was one of the most uh, explorative times of my life because uh, I found out that I should have been swinging at way more curveballs because I was per- me and my buddy were we only had two good hitters on my team and they would just try to spin the crap out of me and I just realized I was hitting so many more home runs off curveballs. It was the first time in my life I even thought about it and. Uh, you know, now that I'm fit, like, you know, a coach and I look back at my swing and I figure out, you know, I had, I definitely hit the blow ball a lot better. And I definitely had some, you know, if I was on a blast, I would probably have a good amount of vertical bat angle because I would love to attack low in the zone. And, you know, that was a good combination. And if I would have thought about that earlier in my playing career, <laughs> I, I think I might have had more success. Speaking of vertical bat angle, do you uh, kind of incorporate that into, um, into into your training at all? Like any type of like maybe a constraints with a tee out in front of the player, anything like that? I I haven't used the word vertical bat angle with my players yet because uh, Diamond Kinetics didn't doesn't measure that, and we're actually switching to blast in the spring, so we'll be able to measure that. But it's obviously pitch dependent. So it's not a good thing to look at a like holistic view. It's more pitch to pitch that you can look at vertical bat angle. Um, but the one thing that I do try to do, one of my favorite drills that my buddy taught me back in the day and that I still try to incorporate all the time is just hit it, hit on the field with a T because you don't realize if you set up like a lot of guys don't even know where to set up a T to hit the ball as far as they can. That's number one. And then when they do figure it out where they can set it up on the tee, they don't realize how far they can hit it. Because we've had we had a couple guys on our team. We what we do is we have live BP going on, but we would have two tees set off off to the left and right, and we would just go in order: tee, live, tee. And these guys were hitting home runs that had never like come close in BP yet, and they were like, "Why is this happening?" I'm like, "Well, just think about." It's a lot easier to organize yourself off a tee, isn't it? And they'd be like, yeah. And then you have a ball coming in. Even if it is only 50 to 60 miles an hour off a of BP, it's still pretty tough to self-organize and be ready to hit that pitch out. So it, that's kind of a few light bulbs went off in that in that regard. Wait, so you guys would have BP going on, right, in the in the cage – not in the cage, but on the field, and then the tee's off, like, on the foul line? Yeah, just the left of the turtle. So you would just there was the T would be right there, and it's not like we're all hitting at the same time. It's not like three balls are going into play at the same time. Is that yeah? The well, BP I just throw- was like, man, whoever's throwing BP, like they're at 
they're in major risk. <laughs> well, we're not. It's uh, it's we would. I informed the team. It's basically what what I was trying to have them do is to get them to feel of catching the ball out in front and realizing how far they can hit the ball off a tee. So um, we obviously didn't line up at the BP thrower. I had them, <laughs> I, I had them angled to a position to where they could hit the ball into the outfield. So, yeah, it is pretty cool how you can. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of different creative things that are that I'm starting to see, and especially doing on stuff on field BP, just because it's you start doing the same thing over and over again and everyone gets kind of bored. Um, you know, one of the things that I was actually, I was with a hitter in the cage the other day and he actually said that he was having some trouble flying open and how he went to, um, interlocking his fin, uh, index and pinky, uh, fingers and how that like had kept him from flying open anymore. And it was actually the first time I've ever heard that I've tried it out before just messing around with that grip and I, I didn't like it at all, so I couldn't, you know, I, I didn't, I, but it was just, again, it was one of those things, it was like, it's, it was interesting. Have you ever heard of, of anything like that with different grips? I've, I've heard of people doing that, and um, I actually did the same thing as you did. I wasn't a fan of it, but I mean, if it works, it works. Um, but another uh, weird thing that I saw was uh, Garrett Hyatt, um, I coached him at Eckerd College, and now he's in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. Um, I don't know if you know, like back in the early 1900s, they would hit with a split grip. You know, they would have yeah. their hands separated, and he was doing that. And I was like, why are you doing that? Like, you're losing so much pop. And he's like, I just have way more control of the bat. Like, I'm making so much more contact. And for him, it it was actually beneficial. And after I saw him play a few games, I'm like, all right, keep doing it. I, I think since then, since he's gotten the pro ball, they've gotten to change it. But uh, this is also a six-five runner, and he could run down any ball, stole a bunch of bases. So especially at the time of Eckerd, you know, he was getting on base and stealing bags and, you know, producing runs. So I didn't really touch it. I think the split grip can help kind of uh, reactivate the top hand and get you kind of feel that top hand. I'm a little bit. There's been some guys in the big leagues that have uh, messed around with uh, split grip this past season. I know Javi Baez, uh, Ian Happ said he did for a little bit. Um, there's been, a, I mean, it's, so it is pretty, uh, I mean, I can never imagine, again, I can never imagine doing it, but just hitting with it, I do like the feel if I feel like my top hand is uh, dragging maybe a little bit. Um, what, what would you say that... Um, your goals in baseball are like as a coach? My goal, um, I'm definitely not out of, you know, I definitely, <laughs> being a part of pro ball for, I think you and a bunch of other people, we never really thought about it until, until these past few years. You know, right. when, when I was with the right. Yankees, I never even thought about that. I was actually going to get a full-time job. I thought it was just, you know, I was the bullpen catcher and they, they needed me. I but now that it's actually somewhat of a reality, I definitely would entertain the thought. Um, but but still being a college head coach would be pretty awesome. So I'd say that's a dream of mine. Oh, so you want to be a, head, a college head coach? Yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely would go to pro ball, but then also I definitely would love to be a head coach as well. That's because I, I love all facets of the game. And I feel sometimes um, 
when it comes to professional baseball, other ways. And it's kind of changing now um, that you kind of get cute hold into hitting, you know, defensive coach, infield, catching coach, cute hold. But I just love coaching all facets of the game because I've had a great experience with all my coaches in the past. And it's always been, you know, like they instilled me, get, like do everything you can to win. So and if I'm doing everything I can as a coach to win, I, I, I got to know everything about the game. So that, that's kind of where my thought process has gone. Would you say your biggest strength from the defensive side is catching? A hundred percent. Yeah, that's that was the when I first started coaching. That was my first position that I got to coach at Catawba College. And it's where I made the biggest strides in my game. Um, I could always hit. I was a fantastic hitter at pretty much I could have stayed at Greensboro and hit, but my defensive catching was honestly god awful. I was I was a really bad catcher when I started at the college level. And by the time I got done, I was actually, you know, our priority catcher. I was a pretty good catcher because uh, one of the things that light bulbs that went off my head was that I had poor hip mobility at the time. Um, it got better up until my senior year, but it wasn't until I was a junior in college I was allowed to put a knee down with uh, with no one on. And so I was having to catch with two feet the entire time with hip poor hip mobility, and I was struggling. And once I got to put my knee down, I was way better at receiving, and uh, pitchers felt more comfortable throwing to me. And I kind of think that's where I fell in love with coaching at first was being able to coach catchers. It's it's really fun getting in, getting in the dirt and grind with them. Um, I'm not, a, I don't know too much about catching, but I, I have like listened and watched of some of the stuff that Jerry Weinstein has put out. And, um, I'm sure you've seen some of his stuff too. And I, yeah, I, now that you say like dropping down to one knee, like I never really remembered hearing about that at all until recently. But so were you saying that you weren't even allowed, like your coach wouldn't allow you to do that at all? No, it was seen as being lazy up until five years ago. It was, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely something that, that wasn't, uh, I don't want to say allowed, but a lot of coaches definitely frowned upon it because you were quote unquote lazy for doing it. And, uh, Tanner Swanson has, has definitely revolutionized the game, uh, especially <laughs> with the twins. I mean, you see how those guys catch, catch and I'm, I still don't know how to properly coach, uh, I've actually tried toying with it with one of our guys who ha- has poor hip mobility in our team. He's actually catching with uh, with the uh, right knee down, left knee up with runners on, and that's so you can still throw and be able to get down there. It's uh, it's definitely a new game. What's it like managing pitchers as a catcher? It's, I mean, and you, that's, that's, you, you look at Major League Baseball, any, any baseball, a bunch of uh, catchers become head coaches because they have, they know the pitching side. And being able to deal with those pitchers is definitely, it's all about personal relationships. Because, um, one of the one, the best pitcher that I ever caught is named Craig Brooks at Catawba College. He was, uh, in AAA with the Cubs this past year. He's like, Five foot seven. He's not. I'm just giving him a hard time. But uh, it was up to 98 for us at Catawba College. Um, and with him, we had a great relationship. And and 
in that relationship, we were able to give each other crap. Like we were able to yell at each other and be fine. That's one, one example. Uh, another example, it's, you know, it's just basically I was a coach before I was a coach, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What, when so, you would go out to the mound and talk to them, though, like when they were struggling, like what, like what do catchers actually say to pitchers during those times? It just depends. Uh, uh, mo- I would say the majority of the time is you know, I first thing I was like, "You good?" <laughs> just and <laughs> like uh, just to get them back on track. But other times, um, especially with Craig, I'd be like, "What's your problem? Like, what what are we doing here?" Because he 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 likes uh, you know brutal honesty. Um, just another way. Um, I know Brett Strom. There's. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember if it was an Astro Ball or another book, but uh, one thing is that you just got to get. Sometimes you got to get their mind out of being domed up, so you can just completely uh, just change the topic. I think. Don't quote me on this, but in the story, Brent Strom told his pitcher, he's like. He's like, look, I really have to go to the bathroom. So, uh, and I can't go to the bathroom until you get us out of the inning. So, are you going to get this guy out? <laughs> it's, it's so, it's, it's so, it's just the little stuff like that. Is that you just got you're you're more of trying to get them out of their own mind. So, yeah, that's a different. Uh, that's just that that kind of individualizing and uh, relationship building right there at its finest. Have you going kind of going back to hitting now? Have you looked into any force plate um, information at all, or, or done any research on that? I ha- I have not. Um, I actually signed up. Uh, Burtech offers a free course, and uh, that's definitely on my to do list here in the next few weeks. Um, so I signed up for that, and I'm gonna look into that. I definitely, for me personally, I, it's definitely huge when it comes to hitting, but. Um, before when you know it was acceptable to catch or not acceptable but the majority of the people caught with two feet i thought it would be huge for catching and figuring out where the elite catchers put their weight into the ground so mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot of there's definitely a lot of uses for force play across baseball it's just so hard for hitting because there's no absolutes in hitting yeah <sighs> It's tough. That's it's tough. that's so you so you look at we we were trying to um, there's definitely a lot of similarities between the golf and the baseball swing, but it's it's the variability that that kills it in baseball because you you have to have that adjustability and the the f- amount of force that you put into the ground is going to be different every single time because of timing. So yeah, there's you're gonna have thousands of different swings because there's gonna be thousands of different pitches thrown at you. So, well, I know it's like last night I was, uh, you know, working with a player at at, a, uh, at the facility I was at, and one of my buddies um, came up there um, and was and was and we were talking after, and you know he's uh, he played 18 years in the big leagues, George Foster, and we were talking about like where to put the weight on your back foot. You know, and because, I mean, everyone says, you know, it needs to be in the inside part of the heel. It's not, you know, the heel, heel, heel. That's where it drives out. He's like, well, Joe Morgan, Pete Rose, and uh, Tony Perez all told me to put it in ball, you know, the, um, near the top, you know, the balls in my feet. And so that's what we all did. And so it's like there's three Hall of Famers and a guy who was an NL MVP, <laughs> I mean, doing the opposite of what uh, 
force plates say to do. So it's like, who's right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that all goes back to the feel because, I mean, you know, he's still got Chipper Jones saying it's swing down is king. And, I mean, who's going to argue with Chipper Jones? One of the best switching switch hitters of all time. Well, I mean, I guess, like, even for this, though, is even a little bit different because, you know, Chipper, like, felt that he was swinging down, but, like, these guys were were actually, like, putting the weight near the near the top of their foot. You know what I mean? So, like, it wasn't just, like, them feeling that. Like, that's what they were literally doing. Versus, yeah. And you know what could, I mean? Yeah, and it definitely could be because, I mean, if we, you know, we couldn't, but, like, if you know, maybe that's where they started their weight and maybe they went back to the heel or something like that. Who knows? It, it's, it's, that's, I think it still could be a feel issue with these hall of famers because it just, because where you start doesn't matter of where you're, cause that could be where they started. But then when they go back into the swing, you know, they could be going back into that heel. I don't know I'm just theorizing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> just have to ask more questions. The guys we're working with. Did you have a favorite team growing up? Um, no, I was all over the map. My my family is uh, lived all over the East Coast, so um, I I guess I the three teams that I grew up just like watching all the time were Cubs, Rays, and Yankees. Okay, Cubs. Yeah, my fa- my family lived in Chicago for a while, and my uncle lived there. So I've been, I've been had the chance to go to Wrigley a few times, and that's an unbelievable experience. So I definitely once I went there, I fell in love with them. Yeah, I've been. I went to a game this past year. I haven't been to the Rays. How how's Tropicana Field? I heard it's kind of like. Eh. Well, it's. I mean, it's definitely not something. It's not a bucket list item not to go out of your way. But uh, when I when I lived in St. Pete these past couple of years, I would live ten minutes from the stadium. And when you can get a $5 ticket and sit wherever you want in the AC, you can't beat that and watch Major League Baseball. That is true. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very yeah. good point. Awesome, yeah, so. man. Um, anything else that you'd like to tell like everyone out there listening right now? It could be about hitting, pitching, just coaching in general. Just any last thoughts? Um, the biggest thing is just uh, stop pitting uh, – coaching against technology i mean because you can have a personal relationship and still use technology that's that's the biggest thing that i'm seeing on the internet right now is like like oh well you know you still gotta have that personal relationship and like the people using these have relationships with the players you you can't you can't disassociate the two because you're if you're a coach you're always going to have a relationship with that player it's not like it's just like we're only thing we're doing is reading off the information and not talking to our player. That's, that's not what's happening here. It's that, um, you can be, you can use technology and you can, a, a great friend, um, you know, a great father figure, whatever the relationship is with your player, you can help them in life and use technology. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest thing that I'm seeing right now. Well said, and I I 100% agree. I've been seeing that a ton lately, especially for some reason. Um, but, yeah, uh, again, yeah. man, really appreciate you coming on. Are you going to ABCA? I will. That's that's where we met last year. I remember that. Yeah, no, okay, awesome, man. Well, I'll see you again this year. Thanks again for coming on. I yeah, appreciate that.